Uh, right, should we crack on with it? Yep, yep. Hello everyone at home, welcome to Gamesphere. This is a, I suppose it's a special edition because I'm joined with uh, some chap that I found on the internet called Drew, who's lovely and I want to be just like him when I grow up. Hello, Drew. <laughs> Hello. I don't think you do want to be. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, just for the, the sort of the last podcast of the year, I thought it would just be a good idea to just have a chat about some of the games we played this year and why we liked them. And I thought a good one to start off with, because I've been playing it earlier today, is Hades, which you very mm. kindly gifted to me uh, well, a couple of days ago now, is it? It was, yeah, just before Christmas, wasn't it? And you, when did you start playing Hades? I started playing it, I think when it came to Steam, I just looked at it and I thought that looks great and picked it up uh, immediately. It was still in a, it, was, it had a very short early access. Um and I played it a lot for about a week, and then and then I, sometimes you get those things where like I just could not beat the final boss, so I was like, I'll put that aside for a bit and come back to it later. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've been pl- playing it for a while, but it was in, in in sort of two spurts, one at the beginning and one recently. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that will draw me into a game, I don't like this about myself, if I'm honest, but one of the things that will draw me into a game right off the bat is is how good it looks. Mm. And I'm not just talking about high, the high, the the, the level no, of fidelity. I don't think, I don't think it's fidelity at all. Is it? It's having having a a, a distinctive and well executed style. Yeah, and and Hades has that in spades. Like it it's, really does. it's the <laughs> best good. looking game I've played in. It is beautiful. It is just absolutely beautiful. It's the, the visual style. It, it's an, clearly intentionally. It, it's evocative of like um, you know ancient Greek vases with the with the monochrome, uh, usually yellow on black illustrations. Oh yeah, yeah. It's that, but brought to life, brought into color, and brought into motion. Yeah, it's it, and it's the colors that, that that do it for me as well. And and the mm. I, I, honestly, I think it might even be the nicest looking game I've ever ever played. Because yeah, it's, it's got the look of a, I think, an '80s comic book, an '80s um, slightly arty comic book. It's got very, like, almost like a '70s palette, um, quite sub, it's subdued but colourful at the same time. Yeah, it's it's absolutely beautiful. So, for those that haven't played it, so this is a, uh, you'd call it a roguelike game or a roguelite? A roguelite, yeah. Roguelite. Now there is. A, I'll tell you what I'll do is there's a great video by I think it's called the channel's called Writing on Games, which I'll link in the, in the show notes, which. Describe the difference between what a roguelike is and what a roguelite is, because that's one for, that's one for the scholars, really. Um, <laughs> but um, so, but one of the, the things about it is that you go through a dungeon until you die. You can unlock upgrades as you go, so you can unlock various weapons. You pick up keys, and um, some of these add-ons, as I understand it, they help you in the game. But once you die, they they get you get debuffed of them but some things you pick up like the keys they unlock weapons that you can then re go back into the dungeon mm. with better stuff is that is that right drew because i've only played about yeah it and the, the, the purple stuff that you pick up the drops of ribena that you spend those in the mirror for sort of permanent upgrades so i mean oh, this is one of this, if you've not done that yet you need no. to do that. <laughs> Um, this is yeah. One of the things that generally distinguishes a roguelike from a roguelike is uh, the the permanent upgrades that you get that, that last between runs, right? Yeah. 
and some some of the purists really don't like that. Uh, I was curious the other day, actually. I looked at because Hades is overwhelmingly positively reviewed on Steam, right? I mm. thought I'd check out some of the negative reviews just out of curiosity to see what they were saying. And uh, yeah, some of, some of the complaints were just simply that it has that permanent progression. Some people just do not like that. Oh, see, with uh, me, that's uh, like that. That adds. That gives me a reason to come back. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. The, th- the thing is, I like many rogue-like games. Uh, one of my favourites is Heavy Bullets, which was quite big. I don't know when it came out, like what, four years ago or something. But the trouble is, is that you like even if you like it, you tend to bounce off it quite quickly because it's just it just exists as it does. Like it's more of an like I don't know, like an art piece or something rather than mm. a, than a actual game with a beginning, a middle, and end. And sometimes if I just want to shoot stuff in a really like fun way with an interesting gimmick, then I'll fire up heavy bullets or something similar that you'll find on like the itch store. But um like I mean, Hades go on, Like I'm I'm gonna keep like coming back to Hades because mm. I wanna like I I've just unlocked the Shield of Ages. And mm. I've I think that was the last thing I did before I came on with the podcast now. So I want that is, that is absolutely my favorite weapon. And that part of what makes Hades interesting. And I, I think I mentioned this to you before. Is sort of, I always compare games to Morrowind, but comparing it to Morrowind, like everybody has a favorite way of playing and they're all different. Like Hex, our friend Hex loves the gun. Uh, another streamer I, I watch, he loves the spear. Like I love the shit. Me and actually Toasty, we both love the shield. But even with that, we spec them in different ways. Um, well, but I, yeah, I adore the shield. Uh, but every, everybody just sort of falls in love with a different weapon, and and some people just will use whatever gives them the biggest reward at the time. They don't care which weapon, and yeah. that's kind of nice. But I think yeah, I, I, I think what distinguishes because you're mentioning other, other roguelites. Um, action, there's a lot of action roguelites at the moment, right? It's a it's a genre that seems to uh, be popular with devs, yeah. um, and most of them are. You, you play them for a few hours and then you sort of you feel the edges and you think you've seen kind of even if you've not finished it you feel like you've seen everything that it has to offer yeah uh, and also you know sometimes the you know the difficulty difficulty curve is a bit wrong or there's not enough upgrades or there's not any upgrades that appeal to you whereas Hades just gets every, every detail in a in an action roguelite Hades gets absolutely perfect it is an absolute perfect realization of the form yeah although I will say you're gonna want a, a gamepad with this one. Oh, uh, absolutely! Yeah. When I I did start off with the keyboard, and I it just it's it's just it's just when you've got because the thing is like when you're you're up against different enemies with different that, that maneuver in different ways. Sometimes you need that that um, projectile button. Sometimes mm. you need that dash button. Sometimes you need that main attack, or sometimes you need that heavy attack, the the area of effect attack, or mm. uh, however it's modified through the game. You need. To, I like. I often find that you need to quickly maneuver between those four buttons quite quickly in a way that I don't know the keyboard layout. Maybe I could have changed the keyboard layout or something like that, that well, in a way that it would have worked. But I mean, essentially, the, Hades is kind of a microcosm of what what generally gets called an ARPG, right? Which by which I mean like Diablo and my favorite Titan Quest. Uh, and I actually, I see Hades as like because Titan Quest is a game. Oh, I love Titan Quest. But a, a complete game of Titan Quest, depending on how many levels of difficulty you do, because they lead into each other, it's not just like a difficulty selection, can take hundreds and hundreds of hours, right? And, mm. and to me, Hades is Titan Quest done in one hour. You know, a run is about 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, uh, but and usually in ARPGs, like usually you, you, you'd rather play with a mouse and keyboard, right? Because you want that directional control, which yeah. a mouse better affords. 
Uh, but with Hades, they've just nailed the controller controls to the point where it just plays better on a controller. And I think a lot of it is they've they've done auto aim in a very smart way. They've just they've got yeah. just enough auto aim so that you're always so so the game is doing what you meant rather than what specific because you know it's a bit hard to aim on on sticks usually. Yeah. Um, but the game just compensates for that just perfectly, so such that it's yeah, it's better on a pad somehow, which is crazy to me. But you know, I'm definitely a keyboard mouse player generally. I'll, I'll default to that. But yeah, Hades uh, made me play on a pad. Yeah, I mean the dash helps as well. So you can line yourself up nicely with the dash. You can do your attack and then dash away or dash. Do, do you find yourself just dashing around all over the place? Oh yeah, no, you're constantly dashing. Yeah, everybody. Okay, yeah. That, I didn't know if I was doing that wrong or or whether or yeah, not. Even with just... the bow, you're constantly dashing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got the bow at the moment, which I'm having a great time with actually, and. Sometimes I like I I think I unlocked like the Poseidon one at the beginning. The so that like there was a yeah. perk that I think I think it was Poseidon, um, and he, yeah, he gave me uh, something on the bow. Oh, was it like rapid fire on the bow? Mm. And then I died, and then I didn't, and then I I didn't have that anymore, and I I miss it so much. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you search for that, right? You look, for, yeah. you look for Poseidon. We should probably say, like, yeah, it's it's gods who give you the buff. So each room, uh, well, they have different rewards, but a lot of the rooms will have um, a buff from a god, and it's all all the different gods that you know from Greek mythology. Yeah. Um, and then they'll offer you a selection of boons for the weapon, and 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 they're thematic. Like Zeus does a lot of lightning, Poseidon does <laughs> kind of water. It's like knockback and stuff, and and so on. And Af- is it Aphrodite does like the purple love stuff and yeah, uh, yeah. Di- Dionysus. Uh, I mean, I love how they're portrayed. It's almost like the best parts of how like Disney portrayed like Greek gods and things like that. Like it does have that sort of like a little bit like yeah, they're not as they're not as denatured as they are in Disney. They're they're still they feel wild yeah, and savage, right? Yeah, they're 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 not as uh, family friendly as. Uh, mm. As Disney, they're still still, but but how they're characterised, I find them. To, yeah. I found that to be very. Uh, I don't know what what the term is. They're like sort of satisfying, I guess. Really, like they. Yeah. And the artwork is like I mean I know I've already the mentioned artwork but... is stunning throughout, and it's it's made by Supergiant Games, who made um, Bastion, right? Mm. And then but, um, what, what did they make up? Pyre and a bunch of others. And I, I really kind of because uh, another one of the criticisms in the in the negative review, and I should say like the negative reviews are that they're a thousand to one positive. Mm. Um, but some of the negative reviews were just like all the people liking this game, they're just super giant fanboys, and that. I've I've never liked a super giant game before. Uh, I hated Bastion. Um, it, I found it, it looked good. I always thought it was a good looking game. Bastion. It, it, it kind of looked good, but it was it, yeah patronizing, clunky, and handholdy, and just all the things I don't like in games. Mm. Um, but I can see, I can absolutely see how they got from where they got from Bastion to this. They've, they've clearly just keep kept refining their practice till they got to the point where they could make a game as absolutely excellent as this. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's 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 one that I'm going to be putting a fair number of hours into. I mean, you say that a game like how how long would you say an average you know go in the dungeons takes you in in Hades? Well, I, I only actually um, finished finished it as in you know beat the final boss uh, in the last week or so, and a successful run takes thirty to forty minutes for me. Okay, yeah, I think uh, I say I say an unsuccessful run takes me sort of close to that, to be honest. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's but it doesn't feel well, like it. 
no, I, 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 I'll jump in the in the in the uh, in the game. I'll I'll, I'll get myself killed. I I got to be honest. I'm not very good at the game. Right. This is one. Well, of I'm not. Where... I'm not good at this kind of game. So it's not. Uh, you. The thing is, you get good at it. Yeah. Uh, I was playing our friend Toasty. He streams it quite often. Um, and I was talking to him about how, like, say, have you got to the second boss yet? No, no. Okay, so the first couple of times you get to the second boss, you're like, how do you, this is impossible. How can I possibly beat this thing? It's too quick. It does too many things, you know, so on, so on, so on. And then 10 hours later, the second boss is trivial, utterly trivial to you. You know, you, you'll absolutely assume you're going to beat the second boss easily, and then the third boss becomes the problem, and, and so on. And it's just you, you get, the, the game is very good at, without you realizing, just training you to play it. Yeah. Well, I certainly sort of look forward to that. Uh, now, what's the, I did I do the first boss? I because uh, I'm not entirely certain. I, I is that the one where you have to survive for like 45 seconds or something? Is that a boss fight? No, that's just Hades messing with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. When does the I don't even know if I've done the first boss fight then. Um, uh, the first boss fight is uh, the Furies Megera. I'm not entirely sure how to say that Megera. Meg, uh, and um, so you, and that that just comes along as part of the part of the dungeon. Yeah, and then when you've done the boss fight, you know because the sort of the biome changes. You move, you move from you start off in Tartarus, I think, and then you move to another region. Uh, okay, and then when you when you die in the dungeon, do you go back and go through the bosses again, or do you? Yep, yeah, the bosses uh, they're they're varied uh, after you've beaten them somewhat, but they're essentially the same bosses each time. It's the same um, uh, setting, let's say, each time. Mm. Okay. Mm. Well, after I'll, I'll, I'll look forward to that. That looks pretty. Yeah. Certainly, look in the mirror and get some get some permanent upgrades. I do need to do that. I'm, I'll be honest. I get a bit scared when I, you know, with with the boss fights because people always tell me how difficult they are. But is that <laughs> but but is that just a case of people are always like sort of talking about the boss fight that they're currently on rather than? I think so. Yeah, because because and this might sound patronising, but the boss the boss fight that I'm sure you're stuck on at the moment to me is utterly trivial like it's inconceivable that i would lose to that boss now but yeah. when i was at the point you were at um yeah same thing like it's, it's like very difficult how do i beat this and it's worth saying like i didn't beat the final boss i i, I say a run takes 30 to 40 minutes but it took me 45 in-game hours to get to the point where i could beat the final boss right okay so i've got i've like got 70, a long way to go 70 runs something like that mm. but at least it's one of those games where i quite like that you can just drop in for an hour and mm. And, and and get some time out that way. Um, yeah. And uh, with, with, yeah, I, just, I I mean I'm I am really enjoying it. So uh, I've only got a couple of hours under my belt, if I'm honest. So I've still got a long way to go on it. But it's definitely uh, it was uh, Arch Toasty's. Is it Arch Toasty's game of the year? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I, it's. I mean, uh, I, for, for me this year, it was it was a tie between Hades and and CK3 really. Hmm. All kinds of terrible things can happen when you don't take care of your digital security, and that, of course, includes your passwords. The password manager used and trusted by the Destination Linux network is Bitwarden. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentications such as master passwords and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all the things to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams and businesses to store, share and sync sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com forward slash DLN to get started for free 
To make things even better, Bitwarden is 100% open source. You can self-host and their code is audited. Go to bitwarden.com forward slash to get started for free. The $10 a year premium account gets you one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, time-based one-time password authenticator storage and generation, priority customer support. So, from the bottom of my heart, I would like to thank Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Gamesphere and for all around being a good egg to the Destination Linux Network. Thank you very much. Well, speaking of which, should we <laughs> should we move on to CK3? Because yeah. it's, that's one that I've not played. Mm. But I think, it, I think it's going on the wish list. I think I've got a thousand and something hours in CK2. A thousand and something hours. Do you know, I don't think I've got a thousand hours on any game in Steam. <laughs> and CK3 came out when uh like september or something and i've got like a couple of hundred in that already so yeah i mean wow. it's for those who like it they're expensive but you get you absolutely get your money's worth oh yeah i mean i've 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 put down i think it's like i don't know quite a lot of money for the for the hitman 3 knowing that i'm yeah. gonna yeah gonna get the hours out of that but so so with ck3 does is the premise the same as ck2 yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an update to the same game, essentially. Yeah, it's a, it's a more modern version of the same game. So, um, um, oh, the full name, of course, being Crusader Kings uh, 3. Crusader Kings 3, yeah. I, I, I. Um, so, you start off in... Where, where, so, does it, take, it does, does it take place in the whole world, or just Europe, or Europe and Asia? Yeah, it, CK3 is such a hard game to describe, right? You can, you can just sort of list features that it has. But I would say, like, with your interest in all things medieval and also in intrigue and court politics and stuff like that, you would, you would absolutely love it, I think. But it's mm. one of those... It's like learning Vim. You've got to get over the hump with it. Yeah. So, uh, But yes, it's, 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 the, it's Europe, Africa in this one, and some of Asia. Uh, with a very strong implication, because on the right-hand side, the map is sort of torn off to very strongly suggest that the, the rest of China and possibly like Japan and Korea is coming later. Oh, um, okay. And you can play, it's, it's deeply asymmetrical. So at the start of the game, you can choose to play as uh, the emperor of the Byzantine Empire, for example, who are, you know, of course, massively powerful, the most powerful, mm -hmm. you know, single entity in the game. Or you can play as a count, an independent count in Wales. Uh, yeah, quite, got, so, so the, the Byzantine there. Empire would have like twenty thousand soldiers, and this count would have like a hundred. <laughs> so it's <laughs> deeply asymmetrical. And so, does uh, so you, you do? So you choose your your province or territory at the beginning of the game, right? Mm -hmm. And you can you can choose somebody who is. Um, so it's not just like Civ where you choose. Yeah, I'm going to be Washington or whatever, and I am America. You can choose to be the vassal of somebody if you wanted to. You could play a vassal within the Byzantine Empire if you wanted to with the intention of just, you know, fulfilling that role or with the intention of taking over the Byzantine Empire. Hmm. So, uh, and, and with each of these territories, does, it, does each one have a different... So what is, what, what's the objective of the, of, of, of the game then? I suppose it depends on who you choose, right? Well, yeah, there's no, um, there's no win state, <laughs> really. It's just the game ends in 1453, which is the sort of generally agreed on uh, end of the Middle Ages, the, the year when Byzantium fell. Uh, 
And it's just, you know, you set, you absolutely set your own goals, which is another reason why I thought, you know, it's, it's again, I, I would compare everything with Morrowind, but it's Morrowindish in that regard. You, it's you, your success. You're, you're the only one who can judge your success because it's what do you want to do. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because I mean, to be honest, in, in, in Morrowind, for example, uh, I, I will build a character to just do Thieves Guild quests and never touch <laughs> yeah, the main yeah, quest. Yeah. Well, towards the end of my CK two playthroughs, I I I I, I really liked the way um, uh, Islam worked with the with the governments. So, but I liked playing in Wales. So, towards the end, I was playing as a Welsh count who very early on converted to Islam, and then my <laughs> my personal goal was just to convert the entire entirety of Europe to Islam. That's amazing. As, as a to Welsh Islam. <laughs> <laughs> Welsh Islam. Yeah, yeah. It was we were culturally Welsh, but we were Islamic. It was it was beautiful. Wow. And oh, yeah, that, yeah. it's it's a deeply systemic game, um, an emergent game, because it is just a very complex medieval simulator. Uh and it, it simulates things like your your religion will have various tenets, um, and you can you can reform your religion to change those tenets, but it's but the, the religion is encompassed by its tenets, for example. So some religions uh, they they highly value close sibling relationships and stuff like that. It's it you know you can get really weird with it. Yeah. Uh, and and it, as you saw in my end of year video, there's a, there's a religion where uh, being nude is a, is a virtue. So all of their adherents are just nude all the time. Oh, um, I thought that was just a joke. That's that's no that's no a, that's a real thing. Yeah 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 yeah. Oh wow. So they're, 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 there's some branch of Jainism. Um, yeah, and they just like being nude all the time. So, so you've got this, to start off with, you've got this combination of your culture and your religion, which all bring different qualities and possibilities to the game. And then on top of that, you've got your government type. And then on top of that, you've got like what you want to do, what your intentions are. And then with your character, because I've described it as um, a strategy game meets The Sims quite often, right? Because you're, you're half concerned with the strategy, you know, conquering the world or whatever you want to do, converting Africa to your religion, whatever. Um, but then on top of that, you've got this family management thing because you're, you're playing, for your lifetime, you play as a specific character. Yeah. And that part of the game plays very much like an RPG with you know stats and events and, and things you can do and um, an inventory in CK2, not in CK3 yet. Uh, yeah, it plays like an RPG, kind of like The Sims, and you're managing your family and you're trying to maneuver so that your favorite child becomes your heir and you know all that kind of stuff. So it's... That's that's the stuff that makes CK3 amazing for me. That the the strategy game and the deep complex simulation is the uh, the context. the 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 core is that is that family management stuff. So, how much does do things like um, public opinion and and foreign relations sort of come into this? Is this is this all all the type of things that you have to juggle as as part of your yeah so being it, a count it, or whatever? If you've got powerful neighbours and they don't like you, that is a problem. That's a big problem. Or if you've got powerful neighbours that are a different religion to you, that can be a huge problem. Uh, in terms of in, in internal stuff, uh, the peasants don't matter at all. <laughs> it's <laughs> what you, you you care what your vassals think of you. Um, oh, okay, yeah. So my, my, I've been trying to play, there's a particular character in Africa that I like at the starting date, who um, at this period in history, she, she was culturally African, and there'd been an influx of like Arabian people, because, you know, Islam is a thing, and, and Arabs are starting to spread out. And her husband is of, uh, I think, Bedouin or Arabic uh, culture. Uh, and, and in real history, I think she adopted his culture and her line kind of ended. But in the game, you get the option to go, no, we are this culture, we are matriarchal, we're going to carry on our traditions, and you can sort of end up sort of fighting against him, which is what I've been trying to do. 
Um, oh, that wow. was all a long, a long-winded preamble. But the, what I'm trying to do is to conquer all of Africa and unite it under my religion because it's an achievement, and I really want to get it. <laughs> um, but uh, my, I've, I've been trying this for I've probably been trying this particular thing for hundreds of hours because uh, Africa's very big. So you end up with vassal kingdoms and, and uh, you, like you're the emperor and you've got multiple empires and you've got vassal kingdoms. And as soon as, as soon as if one of your vassal gets a couple of kingdoms, because they, they can act in, they're all AI agents that can do their own thing. Like they can conquer land within your um, realm and stuff like that. Like they can go to war with each other. So if, if one of your vassal kings conquers another one of your vassal kings and then does another one, like they can actually get more power than you and then they start to challenge the throne and stuff. So oh. you want to keep, you want to keep your vassals powerful so that they can supply you with lots of money and troops, but you want to keep them weak so that they can't challenge you. And it's finding a balance between those things. Oh, that's that's very Machiavellian. Yeah, oh, it really this this game makes you do the worst things for the best reason, <laughs> and that feels amazing. Like you do things that you wouldn't you would, even in a game. I never there were certain things I never thought I would do even in a game, and you do them, and you believe you're doing the right thing. It's it's. <laughs> It's superb at making you feel things. <laughs> wow, that's. I mean, that's. I mean, crikey, the way the way that you've just described it now, I've got to pick that game up. But I, the thing is, I know if I pick that game up, I'll, I'll commit myself to hundreds of hours. <laughs> <laughs> it is the kind of yeah. You, you've either got to play it a lot or not at all. I think you can't. You can't really dabble with it. You could play. When I say that, you could play. You know, you could do a game which lasts a week and then leave it for a couple of months. You don't have to play it all. It's not like CS where you have to play all the time to stay good. But you can't just play it for like ten minutes a day or half an hour a day or something like that. Mm, it's not like Hades like that. No, it's utter, utterly, utterly gripping. It's wow. So yeah, that's and uh, to be honest, I mean, when I see when I've seen gameplay videos of it, the thing is, I've I've seen a few gameplay videos of the Cru- Crusader Kings games. But I gotta admit, it does. They, I get lost in it, like <laughs> in terms of like someone's trying to do something and someone trying to work through something else, and then I'm like, oh, 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 you know, like it, it is kind of. It, it does seem a bit sort of difficult to follow. How how do um like battles work in it then? Because I've not really understood how. Yeah, the, the way battles are modeled is actually quite complex, uh, and that was all um, presented to the user in CK2, uh, and, and nobody I knew understood it. I've got thousands of hours in that game, and I didn't understand how battles work. Um, and in CK3, they've hidden a lot of that. But really, all that really matters is numbers. Like, technology is a thing, but um, it's, it's Middle Ages, so technology, you know, progressed quite slowly. Um, really, what matters is numbers. You want to have, like, twice as many men as they've got, and then you're going to win. And that's right. generally how you're thinking. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. It matters um, more who you choose to attack, who you choose to murder so they can't attack you, who you choose to romance so they can't attack you. It's like when and where matters more than, you know, the actual battles. Yeah. So so when you say um, uh, Crusader Kings 3 is, is like, so, so you, you put down Crusader Kings 3 as, as your game of the year, right? Mm. With Hades being a, a toss-up with it, basically? Yeah, I mean the reason the reason I chose Crusader Kings three is because Hades I'll probably be playing for the next few years. Crusader Kings three I'll be playing until Crusader Kings four comes out. How uh, when how when was Crusader Kings two brought out? I think it was two. I'm going to check because otherwise I'll just make something up. It was uh, two thousand and something. I don't know. Oh, tw- 2013. Oh, so a few years, so, seven years ago. Seven years, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's a it's a it's a paradox in house game so it gets 
so much DLC, but they they do DLC right. People often look at the price of the DLC, and I think that puts them off. When they, like if you approach CK two now, there's like hundreds of pounds worth of DLC for it. But it, it's it's first of all the DLC has you know real content in it. Uh, secondly, like all Paradox in uh, first-party games, uh, if you're playing the multiplayer, only the host needs the DLC, which is nice. Oh, there's a multiplayer? For example. Yeah, well, there's multiplayer, yeah. How, so how, how does the multiplayer work? Um, essentially, you just play... You can play... Um, like, Matt and I have played in various ways. Uh, you can play as neighbours and help each other. You can play far apart and have no contact with each other. Uh, you can play close together and compete with each other. We don't really like doing that. Or you can play like one of one of you is the vassal of the other one, or something like that. You can, however you want. You can essentially be any character in the game, and there are, I think, there are thousands of characters you can be at the start, uh, and you can both be anybody. Wow! That's... And unlike Civ, I, I compare it to Civ a lot. Um, unlike Civ, it's not turn based. It just time time is divided up into days, so it's kind of discrete units, but the game just rolls on. Um, so there's no waiting for the other person to complete their turn type stuff. How long does a, a multiplayer game take? That sounds like... Well, again, uh, it, it, because it's not turn-based, uh, a, multiplayer game, a multiplayer game takes the same length as a single-player game. How, how long uh, but is a single-player single player game of CK2 playing at speed 2, which is a re- was a reasonable speed uh, from start to finish, took about 80 hours. 80? 80? Eight, eight <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, CK3 is a bit quicker. Um, uh, it's difficult to compare because uh, I play CK3 on speed 3 because that's what feels comfortable in CK3. CK2 I played on speed 2. So the game just goes a bit faster, but it's better designed for that. So I think I think a full playthrough of CK3, I would guess, is about 50 hours. Wow. Okay, but, so it's, 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 it is a commitment for two people then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Matt and I have never finished a multiplayer game, but it, often it gets to the point where you're just so dominant that like you take the victory like I've won because there's no actual win condition. You mm. can kind of take your victory whenever you want or, or just say, like, we've learned so much from this that we want to try playing in such and such a way. Is there a lose condition? Yes. Uh, if there's no heir of your dynasty, then your dynasty... So, for example, um, you, can, you can be in a situation where you are the king or queen of whatever, um, but when you die, because of, because you've because you've messed up the inheritance, you can become some distant relative who is of your dynasty, who's a nobody. Um, so, so you can go from being a king to being, you know, a lowly count who is the vassal of a vassal of a vassal, possibly. Um, so that's that. That's a setback. But the only lose condition is if there's there's no living member of your dynasty, there's nobody to play. I, I, there's no landed living member of your dynasty. I should say you can't play as just a peasant. <laughs> can, can you just get invaded as as, as well? Yeah. Well, yes, but you would it'd be very unlikely that you lose all of your titles. Like, if okay. you get invaded, you probably keep one of your counties, and then you would just be the vassal whoever invaded you. Oh, right, okay. And wars, um, it's not like Civ, where it's just like, I declare war on you, and you know, I send all of my troops into your territory, and I beat you. Um, it's, you need a Casaspele to declare war. Um, and you can generally, there are certainly exceptions, especially later in the game when holy wars become a thing and stuff. But generally speaking, you go to war, you take a single county. You, can, you don't go to war and beat somebody in one war. Mm. How... You know, if, 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 if a significantly sized kingdom is at war with another significantly sized kingdom, that, that war is going to last generations. Okay, yeah. So how, 
how does the the path of history sort of does the path of history deviate a lot in the so if you're just like a a count in wales does like the trajectory of the byzantine empire change based on like random factors or any or any kind of tangential factors yeah no absolutely yeah yeah i mean given you know who the byzantines are and what they've got coming over the horizon it often it often plays out in a historical way but only in the macro, in the micro, it's, you know, you get bits of Norway in England, you get bits of, you know, Burgundy in England, you know, you get all mm. kinds of weird oddities. Um, but it does have, uh, it's got a thing where certain historical events will occur if the conditions are right. So, for example, if there is a powerful uh, count in um, Normandy and there's, a, there's, a, there's an Anglo-Saxon on the throne of England, then you will get the Norman invasion. Okay, cool. But only if those conditions are right for it. It won't just happen regardless. It'll only happen if the conditions are correct for it. Will, will it always happen with William the Conqueror, or will it... No, no, it'll just be whatever whatever Duke is... I, I said Count, I mean Duke. Whatever Duke is um, of Norman descent and powerful at the right time and blah, blah, blah. Oh, so it could be like Pierre the Conqueror. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Oh, okay, awesome. All right, but well, that's... Yeah. It, what what it really is is a, is a a big complex story generating machine because you don't really care. It is on the surface a strategy game, but what you care about is the stories it generates. Yeah, so so Game of Thrones, the game. Yes, absolutely. Right? Yeah, it's a Game of Thrones simulator. Yeah, it's see the way that you describe it in certain avenues does remind me of Long Long Live the Queen, which mm. whilst Long Live the Queen is deceptively um, complex this like almost everything about it goes goes on behind the mm. scenes and there's so many avenues that i mean if you the, the thing about long live the queen to get an idea of, of of how much that game can can change it's worth having a look at the um uh the the achievements because you'll look you'll look at some <laughs> yeah, achievements yeah. and it's like you'll, you'll have like become the queen of the cats i don't what does um, <laughs> yeah. so there's yeah. but but um because that 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 is but I mean, with with the Crusader Kings, the scope of that is 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 unimaginably, you know, factors of magnitude beyond. Yeah, well, it's very similar. Yeah, I think it's an apt comparison. Uh, but but underneath, you, you've got essentially we love the we love the Queen. Um, but underneath that, you've got you know a genuinely simulated Middle Ages. So that that feeds into the events you get and stuff, and the events you get feed into because you can manage the realm, um, you know, through sliders and stuff. But then these events feed into your managing of the realm and stuff. There was, uh, so you get a lot of when you're playing a particular monarch, which you are doing. Um, you just you get a lot of events which are very yeah very akin to something like that. Long live the queen. So this is going to be a very. I don't even know if there's an answer to this question, but it, how like easy is the game? So I mean, I know that there's a huge complex rule base for it, mm. but can you assuming that you get a handle on that to some degree or another can like how is is the game basically a case of making decisions and seeing what happens or is that is it very easy to 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 enter a fail state it's it's very very complex but because it's simulating something that we're fairly familiar with and because it makes sense you can reason about it right so if you're presented with a decision, it's never a blind decision. It's, you know, if I do this, this is going to piss off this person. If I piss off that person, they could invade me. You know, you, you can mm. absolutely reason about it. Uh, but it is hard. It's very hard to succeed. Uh, but, but the asymmetry kind of helps with that because 
you know, if you if you start as account in Wales and you just get your ass handed to you in um, you know half an hour, mm. play somebody bigger, play as you know, play as France or you know Frankia as it was back then. Um, play, yeah, just play as somebody bigger and get to grips with you know managing the realm stuff, and then go for more of a challenge. So because I've played it for so long now, I always want to challenge. I always want to stay at start as an independent count or as a vassal count. So I've got to work my way up. But you don't have to work. You can start quite powerful. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, wow. I mean, every time we talk about Crusader Kings, it does make me want to play it all, all the more. I, I think once, I once think, I, I think if you were to play it though, I think you'd have to replace Hitman with it, so it had enough time. Oh no! But Hitman Three <laughs> is coming out next year, early next year as well. Oh, I might, it might have to be my post Hitman Three. Uh, I mean, it'd be a good change of pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Can you can you hire but, assassins? But, but in weirdly. Kings? It's weirdly got things in common because it is, it's the emergence and the stories that emerge from, from systems, right? That's, yeah. that's one of the yeah. things that we both enjoy in games. And, that you know, Hitman and Morrowind and Deus Ex and Crusader Kings all have that in common. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, it's the, it's the enjoyment of the mechanics of the game. Because there, there are many games, um, you see it a lot with those almost on-rails beat-em-up games, that usually based on like a big movie franchise. They'll take like a big movie franchise, <laughs> they'll just apply it to some like really generic feeling beat-em-up game, and they'll layer a plot on top of that. And the game will fundamentally be a movie with intermittent, yeah. mediocre... Yeah. Uh, or or, or the, the less cynical end of that is like, you know, visual novels and that, games which just have mm. a story, an authored story that they just want to tell you. Yeah. But the other end of that spectrum is machines that generate emergent stories, and, and I tend to enjoy that end of the spectrum more. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I tend to live in that end of the spectrum more as well. Mm. Like I've never, I've, and and that's kind of that's all, in a way that's kind of strange about Long Live the Queen actually, because it looks like it's on one end of the spectrum, but is actually very much <laughs> yeah. on the other end of the spectrum of yeah, that yeah, particular. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, and, that, and CK3 shares that in that the events are very visual novel-like. You know, you'll get a little mm. passage of text that you read, and then you have to make a decision. Um, but of course, yeah, it's the emergence that's feeding into that that makes that more more what we like. Yeah. This episode of GameSphere is brought to you by, of course, DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new app platform service, which is a solution to build modern cloud-native apps. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites quickly and easily. Simply point to your GitHub repository and let the App Platform do all the heavy lifting. It has support for Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, and Docker. DigitalOcean runs their app platform on their own infrastructure, so your costs are significantly lower than with other products. Plus, they built this new app platform on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control over your infrastructure setup. As a listener of the GameSphere podcast and the Destination Linux network, you can get started for free. And in fact, better than free, because DigitalOcean is giving you a hundred dollars of credit when you sign up by going to do.co slash dln. That's do.co forward slash dln. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of the GameSphere and for generally being kind to the Destination Linux network. Thank you very much, DigitalOcean. As uh wonderful 
uh, let's talk about my game of the year. Have you actually <laughs> uh, managed to, to have a go at Shapes? I'm not, no. It looks cool, but I haven't played it yet. Um, Shapes, so I've, I, I won't spend too long on it because I have talked about it on, on Gamesphere before, but since this is good games that we've played this year, I really did quite enjoy Shapes. So I, I assume you're familiar with it, that it's actually a game that they're, they're, they're not even shy about it that is based on Factorio. Yeah. But it has this you know much cleaner style. So you mm. start off with... Uh, and then the way that it builds up, it builds up in a very easy to get into way. So it's there's no plot, no pretense. They've taken away every, you know, it literally is a like like we were talking about with the uh, spectrum of of how plot based a game is. Like this is zero plot based. This is fully in on the one direct uh, one one hundred percent systemic. One hundred percent systemic. Uh, so like you'll like level one will be. Uh, it'll ask for like a an uncolored circle, and you go out, you find an uncolored circle, you <laughs> pipe pipe that through to the using your factory conveyor belts, and then it'll be like, okay, I want a semicircle, then I want a semicircle on the side, then I want a red semicircle on the side, then I want a red semicircle attached to a blue semicircle, and then I want a red semicircle attached to a yellow square, and all this kind of stuff, and it uh, it builds it up and up and up until you get some rather very interestingly complex shapes. Um, but it, it it does feel kind of like like um, the the thing is with it the trick with this game is that it, you build this factory and you expand this factory and you expand this factory and the when you think of the game when you're not playing it you think that oh it should be easy right you have one big <laughs> factory that makes like all the like so some so you get you get your three primary colors right if you're going to color an item you have your three primary colors uh, and it works like with with uh, the, you know the visible spectrum of light, and, and so so you add um, what is it that, that that makes yellow? Is it um, blue and red, green? Red and, red and green in light. Blue and red green. and green in light. Yeah, I, so I always green, get that mixed up. Um, and then uh, and so, uh, but in order to do white, you mix all three together. So you'd think, all right. So there are some things that need to be coloured white. Um, so I'm going to have one giant big factory that just makes the white colouring to colour the the shapes. Um, and then I'll have one that does yellow, one that does teal, one that does, you know, all, all, all the various variations of it. Uh, then I'll do, okay, so I'll need um, uh, like a, a factory area that does uh, rectangles, and then I'll need one factory area that does semicircles, and one factory area that does slightly more complex shapes. And you think, okay, you build these giant factories, and then when the game asks you to do a particular combination of these shapes, it's easy. You just change the conveyor belts, change the piping around, and it's 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 no problem, right? You've got big designated areas that do the things that you're supposed to do um and you just like plug it through never works out like that never works out like that yeah, you always again, tack a bit yeah. on it. it's the the, the 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 game is entirely emergent and systemic which means that the the, the difficulty emerges from that emergence right so again yeah. same with two three yeah absolutely and um it doesn't matter how much you plan for it the, mach- <laughs> the scalability of it Sometimes it's tempting, but I, I've never, never had the guts to actually go ahead with it, is um, to actually wipe away everything and then start rebuilding from scratch from time to time, which I suspect is the smart thing to do. But the thing is, um, it, I, like, you, it's still tempting to just, to just jury-rig everything together, to, to just sort of... Mm. Yeah, the, the the wiping away and starting again is is the right thing to do, but psychologically very hard, right? You've already committed to building this incredible, which, which kind of says a lot about humanity. Right? <laughs> yeah. 
sometimes the solution is obvious. Yeah. But we've done so much work making it this way. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, how it's about like if we just go around the edges a little bit. Yeah, it's almost like having a, a like a lamp with a dodgy light bulb or like a dodgy connection. You go, you know, but just by tapping it, you'll 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 fix that yeah, little exactly. flicker from time to time. You know, yeah. you should just actually just fix the wiring or, or change the light bulb or something. But no, no, as long as you can, you just keep sort of <laughs> doing the the bare minimum it takes to to fix it. And, well, and, and our, our friend Matt for a long time, his CPU fan would not start spinning up when he turned his computer on. So every time he turned his computer on, he would have to manually start his CPU fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's like that's exactly what we're talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's exactly it. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, the thing that one of the things I do like about it is that it's so crisp and clear. Um, I do value, and I don't know if this is an age thing. I swear, it's it's happened more as I've gotten older. That games that are very clear about what they are, where their buttons, like the, the on the very superficial side of things. You can look over there. That factory is generating green because a load of green stuff is coming out of it. Like it's just well, that that to me is good design. You said like it's completely non-narrative. It's completely systemic, mm. and so therefore it can be. He's he's look. This person has looked at um, Factorio and said this doesn't need to be. Uh, it doesn't need to have a real-world analog. It can be. It can be completely abstract. And if mm. the game is completely abstract, why not make the presentation completely abstract? Like that's good design thinking understanding those things working together is good design i think yeah so the game the game just in its its visual aspects communicates what it is to you yeah i mean it's somewhat similar it rings true to like uh, have you seen mini metro yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It, it's it's that of so so mini metro is to like transport tycoon as shapes is to is to factorio mm. uh, one of the things i do like about shapes is that you actually get to play it on the website if you go to shapez.io it gives you like quite a fair chunk of the game that you can just play through your browser because it is, is an, it an open source game have we understood that correctly yes it yeah. is an open yeah. source I mean, game that's amazing i love that yeah, and it was by design. So you can pick it up. You can pick it up on itch. You can pick it up on Steam. You can even pick it up in the Snap Store. Uh, Popey actually uh, put it up there himself. Um, it recently had a pretty big update where at level twenty, you get introduced to something called wires, which <laughs> I, I have no idea. That scares me a little bit. I love like, systemic games where they they introduce something, and your your reaction is, "I've got enough to think about at the moment. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. ignore that." Mm, definitely, yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's all that until I feel much more comfortable. Yeah, and, and one thing about the game that I always want to, to to bring up is the soundtrack is just amazing. Uh, it's available um, by I think it's made by someone called Pepson, uh, and they've got a, a Bandcamp page where they actually have the album that that you can listen to, and it's like one of those like do you know like those those like YouTube live channels where it's like lo-fi hip hop beats to chill out and relax to. <laughs> Uh, it's a bit like it's kind of that kind of vibe, and I, I love it. I've not heard the music, so this isn't. I'm not. I'm not um, uh, disparaging the music, but it would have been nice if the music in the game had been generated by the machine. Like oh, you know, yeah, you, you know, yeah. like in Portal. I think in Portal yeah. Two, where you get those. I can't remember. There's certain blocks that make noises when they're activated, and depending on how and where and in what order and at what time you activate them, they'll sort of make a tune together. They go like boo 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 boo, depending on where you put them down. <laughs> Like if the if the machine made noises on things, you know, when things happen, and yeah. that 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 all became musical, that would have been amazing. Right, that would have been happened. Oh well, that's that's something for the for the um <laughs> uh what do you call it, GitLab or wherever. I don't know where it's um put together. GitLab, GitHub, but um. I see. I'm find out while you while you're talking about it. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, it's. I mean, it is everything that a that a, that a game does right. Like you got the soundtrack on um, on on Bandcamp. It's uh, the 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 chap did decide to open source it, even though it's like a, a you know it's not necessarily a community project. It's, it is done by yeah by a single person. So it's got that very clear sort of uh, clear vision. Um, but yeah, it's it, the thing is as well is that it is quite a straightforward game, which is to its credit because. It just sort of like you know exactly what you've got to do, and the growing complexity of the game that you create, like you create the complexity, so you sort of mm. understand this quagmire. Um, except, except you under you sort of realize it almost demonstrates the limits of your own mind because it's like, why would I do that? Why would I make such a <laughs> like terrible machine here? And I love, yeah, I love those. This is the case with Factorio. Like you, you'd, you'd be playing it late into the night. And making your machine and making your production line, and then you wake up in the morning, you think, "I'll oh, carry on playing that," and you look at what you did, and you're like, "What was I thinking?" <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, absolutely, my game of the year. Uh, it's it, to be honest, it's been uh, this year. I feel in general has been much better than last year. Uh, yeah, last year, I've, I've. Sorry, go on. Yeah, last year I I really struggled to come up with a with with a mm. game of the year because most of the games I played were from from last year. But there have been a few real good ones. Um, I'm probably going to talk about it in a later podcast. But Raft Raft was great. Mm. Yeah, Raft was cool. Yeah, um, yeah, I feel the same way. I think last last year was a particularly bad game, at least for the kind of games that I like. It might have been for, good for other people, but this year, yeah, with CK3, I mean that's absolutely a hit for me. Uh, Hades, and I've just picked up. Um, just before Christmas, I picked up uh, Sakuna, which is a Japanese oh, yeah. RPG game that's half fighting demons and half uh, farming rice. Uh, uh, Matt, Matt's been playing it. He was talking about it. And it, that, that's another superb game. At least I'm, on, I'm only 10 hours in, but like, that's another game that I'm, I'm in love with. So, yeah, this, yeah 2020 is bad game, bad, uh, bad year for the world, but good year for games for me. God, if we needed a year where there was good games, <laughs> it was <laughs> yeah, this one. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I um, yeah, I mean, Raft had a few updates, so I need to get around to like working out, you know, all about that. But uh, earlier in the year, was it was it earlier this year we were playing Raft? I think it must have been right. It was me, you, and Hex, right? Went on a went on a, made a, an absolutely absurd vote. Yeah, that's beautiful, oh, that's beautifully cool. absurd. It is that, I mean, that, was, yeah. that was largely your. I think you were chief architect of the you know the beautiful monstrosity. Uh, I to to yeah, well. I mean, you you know, you say credit, I, mean, X, I say blame. X was, right? the, <laughs> X was the explorer. You you were the naval architect, and I was the cook. <laughs> oh dear me! But that's uh, that's a heck of a. Is it still in early access? I'll have a, have a look. It, uh, what's quite good about Raft is that it does play on um, GeForce now. Uh, it is still early access. Yeah, still early access. So maybe it'll be the game of the year. When I uh, when it comes out, <laughs> whenever that is, it might be one of those games. It's it's kind of interesting that like sometimes a game will be brought out, and they'll just add bits onto it as you go. And sometimes a game mm. will be like in perpetual early access only because they feel that it hasn't reached. Well, I mean, uh, it's a bit of a cli- almost a cliche to talk about, but the idea of a game just being released and done is way in the past, right? Yeah. But- all games are to some extent, uh, you know, gaming as a service in the sense of they're constantly updated, not in the bad sense. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, wh- why is, for example, Dota 2 not considered an early access game, given how much the get- that changes, you know, month to month? 
Yeah, it's effectively yeah. early access, right? Mm. How big was that day one patch of Cyberpunk? It was like, wasn't that like seventeen <laughs> gig or something like that? That was yeah, yeah. And and to be fair, you'd you'd think in another in another year that would be a catastrophic. And don't get me wrong, there have been bits and pieces of that that game that many have considered catastrophic, like the the epilepsy thing, and and mm. and that's. But but when it comes to just dropping a, a you know multi gigabyte day one patch well it was it was pulled wasn't it from the playstation it was the um the flash game the game game. Uh, i think no i think just because it was so buggy yeah it was just so many complaints that the game was just pulled from the store which i mean but the the people i know who are playing it are really enjoying it on pc i'm sure it's worse on consoles but yeah Yeah, i mean if i was going to pick it up i would probably be tempted to pick it up on stadia yeah, because, the, um, my pro- I know you like Stadia a lot, but my problem with Stadia is is it's the console versions of the games. Uh, I think I'd be more inclined if I was going to go the streaming route to do it on GeForce Now. I think. Yeah, I mean maybe GeForce Now as well. I mean, when it comes to cyber, is Cyberpunk different from console to PC? I mean, obviously some games are, but some games. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be. I mean, for starters, you're never going to get an FOV slider, and that doesn't bother some people, but it bothers me quite a lot. Um, and that, you know, just the control over the settings and that kind of stuff, control over controls. Uh, I mean, console input support in terms of mouse and keyboard is never feels like PC mouse and keyboard. Um, and I think there are, yeah, there are, there are differences. It's whether you're sensitive to those differences or not. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm not, I don't think, um, Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I bounce between the two, so it's uh, I, I don't have um, you know any, anything. I, I also think. The other. Into, I, th- I think I think I think GeForce Now is going to be with us for longer. Honestly, that's just completely pulling that out of my uh, bottom. But <laughs> uh, Google do not seem committed to Stadia. I I, I know that's like uh, quite a um, like a, a quite a widely held belief, but. Considering that Google do own first-party studios, that's, that sort of indicates to me that they, they're somewhat serious. But is, is there any synergy between that fact and the fact of Stadia? Like, are those people even talking to each other? With a company that big, like, we don't know. We've like, been in situations like that before, and it's not, you know, it's not led to anything. But have, have Google dropped anything? Uh, what, what, what paid services have Google dropped? Because I know that people have often list a lot of the free services that Google dropped. But if Google, yeah, I think that's I, I, was um, what was the one? What was the um, reader thing called? Was it just called Google Reader? Google Reader, that's it. Yeah, is that paid? I mean, I, I, always ne- so. I never actually use these services, so they don't stick in my memory. Mm. It's just that Google don't seem to be doing the kind of things that you would be doing if you wanted the thing to be a success. As you know, for example, Epic absolutely are with their store. Yeah, well, they're they're ruthless. Mm. They're, they're epic, it's. Uh, um. Well, I mean, time will tell. Is mm, is is, mm. is the short of it? Because I, I, I like I, to... I'd just be more comfortable buying it via GOG or buying it via Steam and playing it on GeForce Now, and knowing that if you know if the service goes away, you've still got the game. Yeah, I know, I'm that... not. I'm not. I'm not on about perpetual ownership. You know, we own. I, I don't care after a couple of years. But for those couple of years, you want to be able to play your game, right? Yeah. I mean, I'd be surprised if if Stadia's dropped within the next few years. Um, you know, maybe within the shocked. next. I don't know. I mean, it's the, I. Well, I mean, the the Google Play Store has been going now for a while, and that's 
going from strength to strength. Although, does the monopoly that they have help? Probably. Well, I mean, they just make an absolute butt-ton of money through that, right? I mean, yeah. it's 90-something percent of mobile devices are Android, and they're getting a cut of every single app sale. Compared to Stadia, which, I mean, at launch, it was not well... Re- I mean, I thought it was quite good. I agree with you. As a service, I think it's quite good. Um, but it was very much... It was not well received. Its press was terrible. It's got a, quite a limited library. There's, like, there's no reason to... For somebody like me with a, a PC that can play the games natively, there's very little reason to use it. Uh, they're not doing, you know, they're not they're not doing the kind of things Epic are doing to try and just, you know, sort of tempt you on there. Uh, it just doesn't seem like it doesn't seem it doesn't feel like a success. <laughs> I think the idea of streaming will be certainly a part of gaming in the future, but I but I don't think the Stadia realization doesn't feel like that to me. GeForce Now feels like, I've not actually used GeForce Now. I don't particularly care about streaming for myself mm. but it feels like more secure uh from a you own the game because you buy it on steam gog or epic um and maybe the origin store as well like yeah the video definitely you know touches a few more bases and you can still play it on your tv i believe with the shield um i think just more in terms of that having a big library like stadia mm. To, to be a success, it's got, a, it's got to, for some people, be a viable replacement for what they do now, right? If you're thinking about, you know, my next, my next, uh, my next PC might be really low spec because I only need the high spec for gaming. Um, you've got to be able to play all the games you want to play on Stadia, right? And if you can't, then you can't do that. And, yeah. and in which case, you might as well stick with what you've got kind of thing. Mm. I, I've been doing, um, I've been playing various racing games to try and get a comparison between the two services. Mm. And whilst basically once you've been playing any, you know, a game on either platform for more than a couple of minutes, you, you sort of sink right into it and, and it, mm. Every, mm. all the differences and anything else fades away. Mm. Um, but Stadia, in my experience, just from a technical standpoint, uh, and I know that Stadia requires a higher connection, so there's probably some, you know, something to do with that and also with geforce now um what like geforce now can be played on some very very slow connections albeit with a heck of a lot of of compression mm. whereas mm. google stadia will be like if it can't play it to it uh, to a minimum level of satisfaction it'll just like throw you out yeah right uh, right which, yeah but um but i mean but this is all the streaming services working out what works right I mean, yeah, these are very new. Probably yeah. the, the one, but uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, streaming as an idea is very interesting. No, I've not liked yeah. any of the actual instances of it yet so far. Um, I mean, I, I've I've loved every of <laughs> all of the yeah, instances of it so yeah. far. But um, I think one of the things that is quite interesting is how, and, and this is this is maybe possibly an indication of Stadia being here to maybe stay is that they've added some new uh, YouTube bits and pieces into it. So you can actually stream directly to YouTube. So you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, and, uh, and that seemed to work. There was a little bit of microphone warbling, but you know, for, given that they've just rolled that out, that seemed really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, the microphone, the audio on it, and I'll put a link to that in the, uh, in, in the show notes if anyone wants to see just an example of what it looks like. But it's pretty, like you, you, can, you can literally set up a stream through the gamepad controller, you just go to like a, a stream option in the menu, and then just do. You can stream it. You can then decide: are you just stream in the game. You can stream the voice. You can just stream your voice. You can stream the party. You know, like mm. who's basically what. So you select your, your microphone. You, you select your inputs basically, 
and then you just click go. You you know you sync up obviously mm. your, your YouTube channel. When there was you you mentioned there was no face cam, but I'm sure, I'm sure they'll add that. But when I'm watching a stream of a game or a let's play of a game, I never want a face cam. I, I want to see the game, so yeah. I'm fine with that. <laughs> if it normalizes not having a face cam, I'd love that. Yeah, I I mean I, I I'm. I, I, I see sort of both sides of that that kind of thing. Actually, one mm. of my my let's plays that's coming up, the Deus Ex Invisible War, doesn't have a face cam because okay, it's all cool, cool. all done it's in. It's not like I don't love your face. You have a very beautiful face. Oh, thank you. It's uh, it's just that it's four three, and like have, fitting a face cam <laughs> on a four three is like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. when you got when you got the width of the widescreen, you can just pop it on the side and it it sort of sinks away if you don't if you're not interested. Is um, Invisible War not widescreenable? I've not played it for a while. Uh, so it, it gets a bit complicated because you can rummage through the INI files and set mm. a widescreen resolution, which works up until a point. But there was one time when I went into a cutscene where it um, forced the four three resolution back in, and then I <laughs> and then for some reason, no matter what I'd edit in the INI files, I could not get back into that sixteen by nine <laughs> res resolution. It was like a, I don't know if it was a yeah. bug or something. I was actually. This is sort of video you made a while back, uh, and you did it in four three, and you talked about you know, four, like resolutions are something we should choose. It should be a, like an artist choosing their canvas, right? You don't mm. always choose the same shape canvas, and like maybe four three is valuable for some things. And I think, yeah, maybe playing a game that was designed in four three and four three makes sense. Yeah, well, I mean, looking over it and just watching it on a screen, it doesn't like. Sometimes I I, I did sort of query the idea of. Does it? What should go on the side? Should I black bar it, or should I actually force the resolution to four three so it, mm. it fits appropriately, or should I use a standard resolution with a standard aspect ratio? And then sometimes they put like um, like a blurring effect, but I've I always found that off putting. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't like that. I could just I understand why a, they do it. Where, like on the news, if they would just want to fill, you know, they they don't want black bars on the news on something, you know, like I understand why they do it, but on mm. on YouTube and that, I do not want that. No, well, I, I've seen that more and more. They just use a, a static image, which to me probably makes the most sense. I'd rather I'd rather the video just be the resolution that it is, and then I can choose what to do with it. Yeah, well, that's what I've set with the uh, with the the, the Deus Ex mm. playthrough because um, it just seemed to make the most sense. And also, if you're watching it on a phone, you, yeah, you know, not all devices yeah. are, are sixteen by nine. Some are like nine by sixteen, or. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, are there still monitors out there that are 16 by 10? I used to have a 16 by 10 monitor. There are a few, yeah, not many. So, um, yeah, just like adding in, I think in some ways, I, a part of me kind of wants to, like, if I was to, if I was forced into a 16 by 9 ratio to to just do black bars, that just seems to make the most sense. But then if mm. you're in a, if you're, if you're watching it on a narrower monitor, then you just get like, a, you get that effect where it's just a square in the middle of the screen. You've got a black <laughs> yeah. border all the way around. Yeah. That just looks terrible. Like, yeah. That's... Yeah. I think make, make the, the video the resolute. Because if, if you want to do that blurry thing in the background or a background, like, you can do that in FFmpeg if you want to. You can process the video yourself. Mm. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't add any, it, it doesn't like, yeah, it, there's no, it just doesn't, I just don't like how it looks, to be honest. I think it distracts. No, yeah. It's just, yeah. So. Um, anyway, we've uh, we've hit our hour mark. So um, thank you very much for for joining me, Drew. It's a pleasure, as always, to uh, to chat with you. My um, absolute You do actually have a YouTube channel um, where you actually have some really interesting videos. So not many of them, and they're very, very, very infrequent. But there's um, I, I quite like the one where you just did the history of computers. I really enjoyed making that one. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was great. 
Um, you do do some swearing in it, don't you? There's a, there's a phrase that I'm supposed to use, and I've completely forgotten it, for what happens if I'm going to link to something that has a bit of swearing in it. It's like, use, use, you might want to use headphones for this one, or it's something like that. Parental, advise, parental discretion is advised. Parental discretion is advised, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good chance. Quite I'll, sweary. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll, uh, I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, because uh, it's yeah, and also you you one video which you did did quite well, particularly in in Mastodon and the Fediverse, was your compiling how to compile something from source. Uh, yeah, was that the DWM one? Or was that something else? Uh, was it NNN? One? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember. I forgot. I forgot that I'd made that <laughs> one. <yeah. laughs> that was um, yeah. yeah. No, that was that was really like useful. So it certainly uh, certainly helped me because I learn how to compile something every couple of years. <laughs> and then yeah, I forget because yeah. I never do it, yeah, and yeah. so it's it's a nice refresher because it doesn't take too long, but you do it in yeah. such a way that. I mean, that's um, what I, I try to do videos about is things that I remember struggling with a few years ago that now I find find routine and easy. I, I might as well make a video and you know help people. I like, I like to make helpful videos. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, okay, cool. So uh, thank you very much, Drew, for joining me. Thank you very much, thank you. you good folks at home for joining me. And um, that's about it for today. Uh, I've been Chris Ware, and you've been watching The Gamesphere. Outro. <laughs> Is that the outro? You're going... Do, 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 do. Yeah, that's the new, new outro. You'll love it. <laughs>